Again, dragons, for our final installment of our countdown to Covenant, because our countdown has reached zero. We, Rachel and I, saw Covenant this weekend. Um, I saw it last night, which was a Saturday, which is why you're getting this on a Sunday instead of our usual Friday schedule. That turnaround was a little too intense for me. But Rachel saw it Thursday night. How was that, Rachel? Awesome. Was your audience way more enthusiastic than mine because mine was dead um I don't they were not no I mean it wasn't um it wasn't one of those audiences where like people are like cheering or anything like that no but I mean it's an alien movie like it it wasn't like the same vibe as like Guardians you know yeah absolutely well I had a weird experience because I'm like I go up to buy my ticket and the guy's like okay yeah are you sure the theater is 90% full. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, it's just me. I'm sure I'll find a seat. Yeah. And so I walk in and I'm like, and I showed up like 10 minutes before the movie started. So I walk in and I'm like, did he mean 90% empty? Oh, God. Because there was nobody in this theater. There was like maybe 20 people. That's and, weird. And I was like. Did the studio just buy a bunch of tickets in, like, bad markets? <laughs> Maybe. Because <laughs> cause it was empty. And then, like, no one really reacted to anything. Whereas there was a couple of one-liners in there where I was cracking up. But, so, what are your thoughts? How'd you like it? Okay, I liked it a lot. I thought it was great. Um, It was actually, like, I think this movie was what I wanted... Prometheus to be um I mean my expectations were met and you know what I actually really appreciated about this movie um I didn't know everything that was going to happen already like the trailer doesn't give away everything which most movies today they do and so like you know how the movie's going to progress um and I thought it was really great that like the trailers don't really give away anything about David um and so I really enjoyed it because I was like, every every time there was a new scene, I was like, what's going to happen here? I don't know because, you know, I didn't have an idea of what was going to happen from the trailer. And I didn't read any spoilers ahead of time, so. Okay. Well, that's good. I felt similar. I mean, I definitely enjoyed the trailer didn't, didn't spoil anything. Uh, but I think that's, in, at least in good movies, that's kind of how we're going. Like, I mean, it should be, but it's not. Yeah. Well, like, if you remember Guardians, Guardians, the tr everything in the trailer happens in the first 15 minutes of the movie. Right, that's true. So, I didn't, I think there were some parts of the Alien trailer that happened later, like, just when we see the Alien, because that Alien yeah. doesn't show up until later, but I kind of figured that Alien was going to show up at some point anyway, even without the trailer. Right. It is an Alien movie. <laughs> so... Uh, let's see, what do we feel about, I will say one of my chief complaints uh -huh. is aside from, I didn't really connect with anybody. 
like I didn't connect with any of the any of the characters. I didn't really have any emotion with them except for Tennessee because, you know, he lost his wife and we actually saw that. Yeah, I mean, I will agree with that. Um, I like the main woman a lot, um, but I did. I mean, like, I don't think that they did a ton of character development other than killing off James Franco <laughs> for her. But I liked her so much. I thought she was such a badass, and I love, like, the scene at the end where she's on the ship with Tennessee and the aliens out like on the exterior of the ship. And she's just like, I'm just going to go do this thing. And like, just goes out on the exterior of the ship and is like, I'm going to just destroy this thing. Like, I thought that was really badass. That well, was a Ripley move. It was, it was very much an our friend Sigourney Weiner move, Weaver move. <laughs> our friend Sigourney Weaver. Ugh, it's early. Um, it's not early. <laughs> not for you. It is a little, it's still the morning for me. We're still in hardcore brunch hours. Oh my god. Um Yeah. So first of all, let's let's discuss the opening of the movie and James Franco and how that was the worthless cameo. Yeah, what was the point of having James Franco be her husband? There really isn't a point. It was I, I'm pretty sure it was like Um Danny McBride calling up his friend James Franco and was like, Probably, hey, dude, yeah. do you have a day where you want to be on set with us? Oh, you know what, though? Um, I will say, flashing back to our previous podcast about Prometheus, how I complained about them using Guy Pierce as uh, Wayland. And then here they used Guy Pierce like, normal age Guy Pierce. So props to you, Ridley Scott, for, like, tying that back in and making it not completely meaningless that you had Guy Pierce of old person makeup in Prometheus. Yeah, because it, you know, and is like Guy Pierce just doing these like small little hint cameo type things that just over time like will actually make more sense. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure if they're going to do more with. I mean, maybe they'll do more with him since if there is another, if they do another one of these movies, which Ridley Scott wants to do, obviously David's going to be in it. That would be true. He kind of has to be. Spoiler alert, David's in this one. Um, I mean, obviously, spoiler alert, we're talking about the movie. <laughs> so, we're assuming that the planet they're on is a planet of these, like, giant space jockey type people. Yes, the engineers. The engineers. How does the plane, how does the ship at the end of Prometheus, get back there? Do you think it's just, like, they hit the go-home button? Yeah, I think it's, like, pre-programmed. Like, you open your Uber app, and, like, you have your home address put okay. in there. It was and they're like, just like, yeah, oh, let's go back. It was it was a, hey, Siri, navigate home. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so, we, we arrive on this island, or this planet, not an island, and the... Part of the crew goes down to explore whether or not this is a habitable planet for them. And there's yeah. nothing happening. There's nothing going on. Of course, then everyone starts getting infected with dust. Right. And then they give birth to these, like, white xenomorphs. I know you know the name better than I do. I think in this movie those are called the neomorphs. Yeah, what's their deal? Like, why... I'm so confused at that. Well, so... 
what we're supposed to take away from this is that David has been basically acting like Dr. Frankenstein and has been, well, no, 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 let me back up. So the, the reason why there are the egg things with, with the airborne pathogen is because when David released the virus onto the planet, it like took everything over. And so like it sort of spawned its own creations. And then I think the, the takeaway is that this, this virus does not always produce a xenomorph. It produces like all sorts of scary things. And one of them is these, is, is this white neomorph. And actually, well, here's a, here's a question. So I, my takeaway from this was that David created, David figured out a way to create the eggs, which produce the face huggers, which then implant in a human, and then we have the xenomorph. However, remember in Prometheus, we saw the picture of the xenomorph in the weapons facility storage room. Yes. So, are, are we supposed to... Are we, so we can't assume that David is creating the xenomorphs because they have to have already existed. Did he just create the way to facilitate them through the eggs? Maybe he minimized the minimized the variation like instead of having the wormy things and then the giant squid thing he just kind of found a way through selective breeding to minimize the mutations yeah that could be it that could be it because i mean by by sheer chance if you're always if you're infecting a similar being enough times you're going to get some variation but eventually you'll get something that event that looks like a traditional xenomorph right but right i wasn't a big fan of like well first they only killed one of the neomorphs right am i right in that there's still one walking around that planet somewhere um, how many were there in the beginning? Because they kill one outside when they're like out in the open, they kill one and then they kill, no, they, they kill both because they okay, kill that yeah. one and then they kill the second one when it's like when David's trying to talk to it, like a weirdo. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Billy Crudup. Um, <laughs> I, okay. We got to talk about how humans are so stupid in these movies. So yes, actually. So Chief complaint. I have a not well. I don't think it's nitpicky, but a small-ish chief complaint. So all I needed was a five-second conversation before they exited the lander, where somebody says the atmosphere here is exactly like Earth. Because why are they not wearing helmets? Yes. Like, and, and you can explain. I mean, okay, even if if you land on an alien planet, I don't care if it is exactly the atmospheric makeup of Earth. You should wear a helmet because you don't know what is out there. But at least if somebody had said that, it would explain it. But as soon as they walk off the lander and they're not wearing space spacesuits or helmets, I'm like, come on, guys, this isn't. What are you doing? You're taking the lazy way out. No, yeah. And my my big issue was the when when Tennessee's wife. And when the captain's wife 
and Tennessee's wife, and then the other guy get infected, and they're in the medical bay. Uh-huh. She has, she loses her shit. Yeah, yeah. Like, you are a space person, you obviously have to be prepared for this kind of thing, and the moment somebody gets a alien flu, you freak the fuck out and blow up the entire ship. Like, you're not putting these people on this seven-year mission without some damn training. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think, like, I did not like that the... I I thought that scene, like, where the thing explodes out of him, I I loved that. I loved the whole scene, like, in the med bay. But then as soon as she, like, flips out and blows up the lander, I didn't like that. I just thought that was too contrived. And then she opens the door. Right. And right. Then, and then tries to shoot it and then shoots the med bay and then goes back to get another gun. Right. And then blows up the entire ship. Right. You're telling me they put somebody on their ship who can't keep their cool under pressure and doesn't know how to fire a damn gun? Right. I was just like, homegirl crazy bullshit. Yeah, I didn't like that. You know, the other, I, I understand that, actually, no. I under, So this is a colonization mission. I get that. And I understand that the colonists should probably be, like, family members. But I don't think it's a wise idea to, like, put people on a crew together if they're married. Because it results in people making stupid choices that are based on emotions and not on logic. Or, like, everything that anyone did in this movie went completely against the Vulcan principle of the good of the many outweighs the good of the one. <laughs> like you can't, you can't have your captain be making choices like based on some, if something's going to happen to his wife. Absolutely. And there is a, it was a huge oversight by the corporate or the company. The company would not do something like that. Yeah. That, I mean, right, right. The company is heartless. They wouldn't, why would they care? They'd be like, I don't know, just put some random people on the crew. You know what? You can find a single colonist. Have fun. There are 2,000 of them. <laughs> so, I I really appreciated the flashback of David destroying the engineers. I did too, Yeah. Uh, a, that kind of wraps some stuff up from Prometheus, which I really enjoyed. Do you think Elizabeth Shaw is dead at that point? I don't know. That's a good question. I didn't like that. I didn't like that we found out that he was experimenting on her. Poor Shaw deserved better. Well, it kind of goes into his whole sadistic yeah. type thing. And one of the things I got to say is if we create, if the engineers created us, mm-hmm. Then it's very much the the problem with David. Who created the engineers? Well, I don't know. Well, if you knew, you should have made a movie about it. <laughs> well, maybe Ridley Scott will. <laughs> it's possible. It's possible. Um, I, I oh, go ahead. Okay, no, you you. I well, I was gonna say I actually really like. I, I think that this movie did a much better job than Prometheus did about connecting those themes about like, um you know, uncontrolled power and uh, the obsession with creation. 
um, and that sort of thing. I thought it like I thought it did a good job with that. Like I, I think it's a really interesting thing to analyze, like the back and forth between you know like David's obsession with becoming a creator and like how that stems back to Wayland's obsession with finding his creators. You know, almost almost as though because like through Wayland, David came to become obsessed with the idea that like you being a creator is the most powerful thing you can do. Creating is if you don't have creativity, you don't have anything. And so like, that's why he has turned into this monster. Yes. And I, there's also, not only is it power, but it's like control because the, the, the line I really had a problem with in the sense that it made me uncomfortable is when Waylon was like, pour me some tea. Uh-huh. When the tea kettle is right next to him and David yeah. is all the way across the room. And he didn't say please. He did not, no. I was like, I was like, oh. And I can, you can tell that if these are the first moments of David's sentience. Uh-huh. And he's being ordered to do this menial task. Right. Like, I can see that creating a negative impression. But then again, if it is his... If it is his first time experiencing anything, maybe he would just be like, oh, this is the way it is. Right. But I think the other issue with David is, for whatever reason, that model was... They make they make references to how it was more human than the later models and how, like, his model freaked people out. And so that's why Walter is a little more robotic. stunted. Yeah, robotic. But so I can, like, if you're borderline giving him free will or, like, free conscious thinking, like, I think that that would be a, a tough thing to meet this person who is your creator and then they're basically just going to order you around to be a, a servant. Yeah. Hmm. So I believe that we can both give the gold star of this movie to Michael Fassbender. Yeah. He was incredible as both David and Walter. Uh-huh. In the sense that, like, even the inflection of his voice was different, and I really right. loved it. Right. And you know what? I have to say that one of the things that irritated me so much was that neither Daniels nor Tennessee figured out that it was David at the end of the movie. Or, like, it didn't even occur to them. <laughs> Come on, guys. Dude, it was like amateur hour up there. I know. When did, like you f- I- when did you figure out Walter was David? As soon as he was running back. I was oh. like, there's no way that... There, I was like, there's no way that's him. Yeah. As, I, I will say, because we had the cut scene where you don't see... Like, David's going to stab Walter or something. Yeah. Where and we Walter don't see the, it happen. Yeah, Walter has the brick, and then David reaches for the knife. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then as soon as that cut away, and then we see that one running, I'm like, no, it's it's David. Well, as soon as... It was... For me, it was soon as they... Flipped to a shot of him grabbing the knife. Uh-huh. I was like... Okay, and then they cut away. I was like, yeah. I, was kind of, I kind of figured it out when you did. Yeah. And, I mean, 
in that sense, it was a little predictable, but I think the, the slow, the slow burn reveal was good. Yeah. I mean, I guess, so I had some second thoughts then because he obviously doesn't intervene when the alien is hunting Daniels in Tennessee. And I was, I thought, well, you know, I, I kind of assumed David would try to kill them. And so then when he's just watching and he's helping them, I'm like, well, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this is Walter. But then there's like that moment where he's watching the alien and he like smiles at it. And I was like, no, this is definitely David. I didn't notice the smile. Yeah. But what I will say is obviously David's in this for the long game. And he is smart enough to know, okay, there's this perfect creation, quote unquote, perfect creation that he created. But then, but he knows he's got the facehugger eggs in his stomach. Uh-huh. But my thing is, if you're supposed to be that smart and you're supposed to be that human and that calculating, when she says, will you help me build my cabin, my log cabin, whatever. I feel that, like, he'd be, like, he'd be able to pick up, uh, oh, I should say yes here. Right. I agree with you. And I, I think, I did like that moment, though, because I think it wasn't, he was clearly about to say yes, but it was in the hesitation, you know? Like, the yeah. ev- like the ever so slight hesitation that tipped her off. See, my thing is, like, you and I have had conversations and you've said things that are, like, callbacks to previous years of our friendship. And I'm just like, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> so the- Yeah, but he's an android, so he remembers everything. Valid. I think that the first time one of us has a child, we should name them Anne, middle name Droid. No. Okay. Droid is a terrible middle name. <laughs> well, fine then. I guess that's just a. Uh... All right, then we should name. <laughs> then we should name it Michael Fassbender. <laughs> uh, no. So what? I don't know. What else do you want to talk about on this one? Well, so where do you think the next movie will go? I am hoping for, obviously, they get to the colonies. Or they get to uh, Omega-6, Gallifrey-6, whatever. <laughs> whatever. Oragai-6, that was it. Oragai-6. Yeah. Uh, and David plants his face huggers, and then it's essentially just two thousand colonists versus two xenomorphs, and then we just get like the the ending of the next movie is a planet of xenomorphs. That could be it. Well, so here's my only question. So we have to connect it still to the original alien movie, so we still need an engineer ship. With all the eggs on it. And I don't know how we get there. Oh. 
That's actually a really good question. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, well, I don't know. The, okay. So right now there's an engineer ship on the original planet. Or not the right. original planet. On the uh, the planet from Prometheus. Right. Because there was there, this... are pro- there are a few alien ships on there because they have all those facilities. Yes. So then there's there's probably more alien ships on the planet from Covenant. I'm assuming these engineers, they didn't just create us on Earth, so I'm assuming there's another planet similar to the one from Prometheus, and also quite possibly similar to the one from Covenant, elsewhere in the universe. That's entirely possible, too. Maybe they won't go to Orgai 6. Maybe David takes the the ship somewhere else. It's true. Or it's quite possible that Orgai 6 becomes LV-427. That's true, too. 426. Orgai 6, 426. No, 426. Um, Just saying, both have 6 in it. Makes sense. Okay, Here's another question. Why was Shaw singing John Denver? Like, why is that the recording? I don't... It didn't make any sense to me. I'm like, I don't know if there was, like, a cut scene. Or it... It it didn't make sense. Was there... Was there... A part in Prometheus where she talks about how much she loves John Denver? No. Like, okay, I can get it because if you're going to send a message that you're hoping people from your home world will figure out, you'd probably choose a well-known popular song. I don't know why, you know, 150 years after it's recorded, people are still listening to John Denver. You'd think she would have picked a popular song from the day. It's perhaps the future doesn't have any good country artists. I don't know. I I think wouldn't you pick like the Beatles or the Rolling Stones or something that is probably going to survive the test of time a little bit more than John Denver? No offense, John Denver, but I don't know. It was just odd to me. It, it was an odd choice. I would actually like to talk to Ridley about that one and be like, so what's the deal with country, with country roads, man? No. He has, so he, he actually has said that there is a third screenplay already done, by the way. Yes. Yeah. Well, let's see if, you know, Anonymous can hack it so I can read it. That'd be great. Would you, though? If you knew the third movie was coming out in, like, let's uh-huh. say 2020 or 2021. Yeah. And you got wind that it got hacked and leaked on the internet. Would you go read it or would you just be like, no, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna wait until it comes out. I would go read it. Oh, that's because you're a horrible person. No, I, I, <laughs> I don't, like, this is actually a rare movie that I didn't look up the ending before I saw it. Because I don't have a problem with spoilers. It doesn't ruin the experience for me. I'd rather know going in. And I feel like you should always read the source material before you go see a movie. So if I had that option to read the the screenplay, of course I'd go do it. 
Yeah, makes sense. I... What did you think about the flashback to David destroying the planet? Like, do you think that was placed well in the movie? Yes, I did. Okay. Because I'm, I'm wondering how it would have fared if it had been in, like, the beginning or the end. Like... Well, but I think... I think, though, that, like, it had to be where it was because we had to find out that David was all around bad. And, like, even, obviously, it looks terrible that he has, like, this lab where he's experimenting and and trying to come up with, like, new monsters. But I think having that scene there that shows that he wiped out an entire civilization just on his own whim puts him, like, in the solidly evil category. Like, not just curious, not just, you know, someone trying to you know, do experiments for science's sake, but he's doing it because he's evil. <laughs> I I kind of get that, but also I kind of get the these engineers are horrible. They were going to destroy all of Earth. They were going to destroy all humans. They have this super bad weapon. Like, they're just a bad planet of people. Right, I mean, but but are they? Because we don't really know exactly what went down. Like, we only have pieced this together in Prometheus based on what we are assuming from, like, the recordings in the facility. Like, obviously, no one's ever, like, sat down with them and been like, so, what's up? You guys are going to blow up Earth or what? <laughs> and we don't we don't know why they have this virus. Like, do, do they have it because they're an evil, uh, you know, an evil group of people, a group of uh, aliens, or, like, is there something really big and bad out there in the universe, and they need this to protect themselves? It's a good point. It's a good question. I don't know. And if there is something bigger and badder, what is it? I think we've asked that question during Prometheus, and I think our answer was the Predators. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Um, I'm trying to think if I got anything else on, on... On Covenant. Is there anything else we need to hit? Is there anything else that you can think of? Like, I I think think both of us need to have some caffeine. (laughs) Uh, No, I thought, I mean, like, I I thought it was great. I loved it. Uh, I want to go see it again. Um, I mean, I I read some of the negative reviews, and I just just take issue with them. Like, I think a lot of people are complaining because they still want it to be, like, the first alien. And you're never going to recapture that. Like, you can never recapture the horror and the isolation of the first alien movie. And the whole point of this prequel series is something completely different than the alien movie. Well, and it's, you're never going to get that originality from the Xenomorph. Cause I think what made alien so great was we had never seen an alien movie with a, with a villain, with a big bad that looked like that. Right. And the problem is, in every sequel, essentially, it's going to look like that. Right. And because in the first Alien, you don't know anything about it. And I, I do agree with the um, like the idea that if you reveal a monster's backstory, you do take away some of its terror. And so I do think that like with this prequel series, Ridley Scott is chipping away at what makes the Alien so scary. But I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I just think, again, it goes back to this is a this is a different story. This is like telling the story of like 
a, a madman, you know, driven insane by like his obsession with creation. Like that's not the same thing as, as what alien was about. Yeah. I can definitely, I can definitely agree with you on that one, but I, uh, yeah. I'm trying to think if there's anything else I got. I don't know. I, th- I think, I think we covered everything. We covered like good scenes, bad scenes. Yeah. I mean, it was pretty, yeah, we, we covered the good, the bad, the ugly. Um, James Franco, pointless cameo. Pointless, totally um, pointless. Bringing up Billy Crudup's faith. Also, yeah, well, so, uh, I, th- this is, I think the reason they did that is because I think that that was also supposed to sort of explain why he takes the leap of faith and moves the ship to this new planet as opposed to going to the original destination. Because I think his whole, I'm not, I'm not saying that religious people are irrational, but I think like a normal captain would never do that. But I think we were supposed to interpret that like he was taking this as like a sign that, you know, this recording came up right after, you know, we were awoken because of the, the issues in outer space and, you know, this is so close and, and maybe like we're meant to go here. And I think that they were using his faith to like explain that irrational decision. I don't know, because then he has the line where he's like, this is a calculated decision based on the evidence. Yeah, but that's, that's bullshit, though. Like, it's not. It, I mean, they have – this is a multi-year mission. They have the lives of 2,000 2, people in their hands as well as all the embryos. And it, it's not a calculated decision. Like, they have a planet that they're supposed to go to. Like, hmm. it's completely irrational for him to say, no, let's just go check out this other one. You have a point. Yeah. Uh, favorite part of the movie, and then we'll wrap up. I really liked. The, I I love the scene where Daniels just like ties herself to the rope on the ship, and it's just <laughs> like I'm gonna go kill this thing. Like I just I just love that. I was a big fan of that. I thought um, I enjoyed that scene. I enjoyed I enjoyed her just badassness she was pretty yeah. much she was pretty much a a rock star going on yeah no, I liked her. what was that i liked her i agree i liked her too i don't think she's as badass as my friend sigourney weaver well who is nobody i also didn't like her as much as i enjoyed shaw i liked shaw a lot too no i liked her so much better than shaw oh yeah Be- because i you know like shaw does stupid things Okay, good like, point. I thought Shaw was totally irrational. And also, we know Shaw's irrational because she was dating that dirtbag Charlie. Who <laughs> <laughs> was like the worst character ever. And burned to death. Yes. You know, I will say, aside from Sigourney Weaver, my favorite female protagonist in the Alien movies is the one from Alien vs. Predator. Aside from Sigourney Weaver. Yeah, she's fine. She's fine. She's fine. She was accepted into a race of supreme killers. You're ridiculous. Okay. okay. A teenage predator was like, yeah, help me out, bro. That's not the same thing as being accepted into a warrior race. 
So you're saying that the teenage predator had a crush? I'm saying the teenage predator was like, I need to make it out of here alive. This human seems to know what they're doing. Uh, let's team up. All right. I'll, I will give you that. All right. Any last closing words? Any shout outs? Anything you got to add? I don't think so. Oh, well, are you going to post this today, Kenny? Yeah, it's going to go up in probably the next 10, 20 minutes. Okay, guess what starts tonight? Twin Peaks, showtime. Um, I think it's at 9 o'clock. Everybody should go watch it. Really excited. It's going to be great. And recaps will be every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern. Speaking of, next Monday, so a week from tomorrow, I will be interviewing actor David Lewis. He is... Really awesome guy. I actually met him through a mutual friend, and it turns out he was in one of my favorite shows recently, which was Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency. Nice. So I'm trying to do something a little bit new. So everyone who's reading this, if you're reading this, listening to this, <laughs> if you're listening to this before Monday, um, God, I just can't talk. I am a podcaster who cannot talk. If you're listening to this before Monday, May 29th, go ahead and tweet at me and let me know if you have any questions for David. He was also in a couple other TV shows, uh, one called Motive. I think a lot of these are Canadian because he was in a lot of Canadian stuff because he lives in Canada. So... Anyways, what I'm asking is if you guys tweet at me and let me know if you have any questions for David, I will be sure to ask those when I meet with him next Monday. So that's super fun. And if you haven't watched Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency, do it. It's a wonderful, wonderful show. Awesome. Yeah. And on that note, I think we're done. Rachel, you done? I'm done. All right. On that note, work out, nerd out. Thank you for listening to the Dumbbells and Dragons podcast. Please leave us a review on iTunes as well as a rating. We would definitely appreciate it. And while you're at it, follow us on all social media at Dumbbells Dragon. That includes Pinterest, Tumblr, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Periscope, and Snapchat. Until next time, work out, nerd out.